0: welcome if you are new to mission life and you're thinking who who are these people maybe you you are walking by and you saw the donuts you you finished a workout at la fitness you wanted to reward yourself and you 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 partook fantastic we love that you're here wherever you're at uh, in your spiritual journey with god mariners mission life we are a new church and and we want to create a space for you to take your next step in your relationship with God, wherever that is. This is a safe place to, to ask questions, to doubt, to grapple, to struggle, to build new friendships. We love the fact that you're here. We wanna encourage you to take another step with us. And I'm so excited about Afro's. We are gonna have a fantastic time uh, with Dad Fest. We actually have a sharpshooting contest, which James Moon will not be allowed to participate in, for those of you who know who James Moon is. Plus, we have a strength contest where you do a plank for as long as you can. And uh, Josh Dexheimer is not allowed to participate in that as well. So point is, we got some stuff for all of you dads to participate, it should be a lot of fun. But I also wanna say thank you. Uh, I wanna say thank you for this past week, this past weekend especially. Vision Sunday was epic. You guys responded in such an amazing way to the vision that God has inspired for our church moving forward. Where are we going in the next year? Where do we see ourselves in five years? What is God wanting to do to help you and me grow in our calling together to build community with one another and carry out his great cause in the world? If you want more information, like Michelle said, you got to listen to the podcast, head out to the connect table. We have the vision laid out right there on a document. And then other response cards or sheets are there for you to fill out if you want to participate. Very excited about that. But I'm so proud of you guys and all of you that have responded to that. Well, today we're kicking off a new series. It's a three part series and it's called Model homes now, I don't know the last time that you toured a model home if you've ever toured a model home Uh, But I remember years ago uh, my, my friend and I we were visiting some other friends out in Colorado And it was like during the housing boom right before the big recession happened, right? So housing's going crazy and we go out to Colorado We're visiting friends and we're just like hey, why don't we go check out some of these homes out here because They're unbelievable. They're just building homes everywhere. So we stopped by all these different model homes, and what was so fun and so fascinating was that they had these things called basements. Have you guys heard about basements? Yeah, it's amazing. And so we would go to these model homes, and you'd see not not only were these houses have these things called basements, which was like, what is that? It's like an extra room. It's like an extra floor. It doesn't even count in the square footage of the house. Are you kidding me? Not only that... But the houses were twice the size and half the price. And it was just like, this is mind-blowing to me. And we would just go and check out all these different home communities. What on earth? Why would we do that? Because when we go into a model home, you see the ideal, right? When you walk into a model home, you just start to imagine yourself, your family, your friends, hanging out. We're looking at all the things, the designer paint, the furnishings. You're like, man, my life would get a serious Upgrade if I had this model home, right? We think it's going to make our lives so much better if we have this model home. Now, here's what's interesting. In a similar way, when it comes to our relationship with God, He actually has a model home in mind for us. He has an ideal for each and every one of us to thrive as a part of His ideal family. God has a model home in mind for you, and it's in a vibrant relationship with God to dwell in His midst. And how that happens is He is filling up our hearts with His amazing presence and his love God for whatever you think about God wherever you're coming from on your spiritual journey with God God actually desires to dwell in your midst he loves you so much he wants the best for you he wants you to thrive he wants you to have this ideal experience as being a part of his family now the problem is most people don't believe this in fact if you were to consider some of the, the seasons in your own life or even think of friends and family members of yours or neighbors or co-workers, when they think about God, they've got all kinds of ideas about God. We, we hear out in culture that God is a higher being. He, he's some sort of an impersonal force that's out there. Or he's out to get us. We have all of these views about who God is that cause us to resist and disbelieve this reality about God. And one of the things we're going to do over the next couple weeks is we are going to dispel some of those myths. We want to understand the true nature of God. In fact, we are going to spend the next three weeks looking at God's triune nature, the Trinity. God as Father, God as Son, and God as Holy Spirit. Now, for some of us, this is really weird because the word Trinity is actually a word that we don't even find in the Bible. But it actually reflects what we see all throughout the Bible. The word describes the fact that God is not only one, but somehow in our finite minds, he's three in one. And we're going to look at that in a little bit more detail. And we're going to realize that the more we understand the true nature of God, it actually has the power to change every aspect of our life. So notice here in this, this one verse, very famous verse in Genesis 1 26. if you're new to the Bible that's fantastic. Take a look at your bulletin up on the screen, very famous verse that talks about this. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Many believe from the very beginning of the Bible that this actually reflects this concept where God is three in one. Notice, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. God, from the very beginning, had you in mind to create you as a representative, as a reflection of his good character and his love and rule in this world. Now, this past weekend, my daughter, Phoebe June, just turned four years old. And one of the things that my uh, wife and I decided to do, aside from filling her stomach with lots of dairy and sugar, was to take her to a store called Build-A-Bear. Have you guys heard of Build-A-Bear? oh yes oh yes absolutely and so my wife decides we're gonna go take phoebe june to build a bear now build a bear what you do is you pick out whatever stuffed animal you want usually it's a teddy bear but they've got all kinds of things you pick out the one that you want and you get it with its own little heart, you like literally place their heart inside of the bear, and then you get it stuffed, and then you you name it, you create literally a birth certificate for this thing, then you start to pick out clothes, and what on earth is happening in the midst of this is our, our daughter is literally building a bear in her own image. Okay, so this is exactly right. So she's got the rainbow. She gets, picks out the rainbow teddy bear. It's all fluffy and cushy. We, we find out how much stuffing she wants in there to squeeze, you know, how cozy and comfy. And then she names it. The name is Rose, by the way, all right? The teddy bear's name is Rose. And, um, and, and she was just delighted in this. In a very similar way, this is what God does with us. From the very beginning, he said, I'm going to create humanity in my image, in my likeness, to demonstrate my good rule and love throughout the world why did god need a family no he already existed as a triune god with a heavenly host he just wanted to create us because he loves us in the overflow of his love and so as difficult as this idea of the trinity is to grasp one of the things that's really um, interesting about as you start to look throughout the bible is you start to see How God shows up in different ways at different times, but is the same person. So at other times in the Bible, you'll find He shows up by the Spirit of God. And other times in the New Testament, you see Him show up as the Son of God. And later, we find Jesus Himself, after He's died on a cross, He's risen from the dead, and He commands His disciples, what does He say? We talked about it last week. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wow. This is really important for us to understand. And so, as interesting as it is, this whole idea of the Trinity, it might even seem like a contradiction. God is one in three persons. Now, one illustration of this that has often been used is water. In nature, we find that water actually is a liquid. But also, when it's frozen, it's ice. And at other times, it can be steam or vapor. It's not a perfect analogy, but it's an illustration of that being a similar concept. But when we study the nature of God, we are going to see how great God actually is. And as we see his greatness in his character, my hope is this, is that we would be drawn to our Heavenly Father. And we would not be deterred from our Heavenly Father. And in this world, with all this kind of confusion about the nature and the character of God, I think it is so appropriate for, day, for us today on Father's Day to talk about that. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at God as Trinity. First, three weeks, two weeks from now, we're going to talk about God as Spirit as being our personal guide. The great news is, because of who God is as Spirit, you have a personal guide when you have God in your life. John 16, 13 says this, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he'll speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Now, if you think of the Bible uh, as a road map, and some of us are new to the Bible, but if you think of the Bible as a road map to life, think of God the Holy Spirit as the one who helps us understand the map. To help have us, um, in the moment of our days, to recall what the map actually says when we tend to wander off course. This is what our personal guide does. He brings us back into understand how to live by God's truth and by God's love. And the Spirit of God is a gift. And we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. Next, God is also revealed as the Son in Jesus. And as a result of that, what do we have in Jesus? We have a powerful Savior. We have a powerful Savior, Matthew 121. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So not only does God, because of who he is, provide us as a personal guide, his spirit, we also, we're going to look at Jesus as the powerful Savior that we have for our lives. Now, if you were to study through the Bible, you would see that the word save there actually has a past tense to it. We've been forgiven of our sins through Jesus, but there's also a present tense to save. To salvation, and then there's even a future tense, and we're going to learn a little bit more on how Jesus actually saves us—past, present, and future—and what that means for our lives. This is the nature of who God is. But today, we're going to look at the fact that we have a God who is a perfect Father. We have a God who is our perfect Father. Galatians four six says, "And because you are sons and daughters." God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, which means Daddy in the original language. In other words, what happens is God wants us to relate to him as a father. Why is that? Why on earth would God want us to relate to him like a father and not an impersonal force and a higher being that's somewhere out there or one of just many gods that we can choose from? I wonder why that is, maybe. It's because deep down inside, we all have a father void in our lives. Now, hopefully you have a good dad like me or have had a good dad like me. I understand on a day like this, we're coming with all kinds of emotions. Some of us have had really great experiences with our fathers. Some of us have lost our fathers. I get that. But maybe today we can recognize that as great as an earthly father can be, even if ours wasn't, we have a perfect Heavenly Father. We have a perfect Heavenly Father. And we're going to look at why that is. And I know this idea is really hard for us because we often put our earthly experience with our Father over the true picture of our Heavenly Father. So for example, if our earthly Father abandoned us, what do we think about God? We think maybe He's great, but at some point He's going to abandon me. How, how can I actually trust Him? him in light of what i've experienced in my own life we can be afraid and fearful of being let down you know if if our father was great at providing for you but maybe he had a hard time connecting with you emotionally maybe he just didn't know how to do that well what do we think about god as a result of that we put that over god and what do we think we think god you're so busy running the universe you don't have time for me You've you got stuff to do. You're, you're out saving people and rescuing people. You don't have time for me. We can fall into that as well. Or maybe we had a really nice dad, but he never really led with strength of integrity or honesty. And we can look at God as a nice idea, but without really the power to solve real issues in my life. We can look at God like that. There's all these things that are affected because of how we grew up in this broken and fallen world and I don't know about you but to make matters worse for those of us who are dads we know how flawed we are I I look at my life with my girls and as as good of a dad as I desire to be there's so many times I'm like oh my goodness I wish I could have done that better I I wish I would have done that differently and so we often think about our own experiences being dads and we get let down and we think oh my goodness what does that mean with God and his perception of me. I want to be a great dad. You want to be a great dad. You want to understand that you have a great dad in your heavenly father. And so the idea of God as our perfect Father can be hard, but as much as we want God in our life, our view of Him will either deter us from Him or drive us towards Him with a whole heart. And that's what we're going to unpack with the rest of our time. So, thankfully, Jesus paints a beautiful picture of who God really is as our perfect Heavenly Father. And you know this story so well, many of you. Some of you, this is a new story. This is a powerful story. It's Luke chapter 15. And if you have a Bible and you want to turn there, fantastic. If you want to follow on screen or in your bulletin, that's great as well. But here we are picking up the story with Jesus. And Jesus is sitting with a bunch of religious people that are wondering, Jesus, what are you doing hanging out with sinners? What are you hanging out with people that are messed up, that make a ton of mistakes? Why aren't you hanging out and doing the things that us spiritual people are doing? And Jesus responds to them with three parables. And why does he do that? He wants to correct their improper understanding on the heart of the Father. And so Jesus tells them three parables, and we're going to look at the third one. And it's the story that is often referred to as the prodigal son. But it's really the story about the father and about his two sons, a younger son and an older son. And it's really about our heavenly father, our perfect father. And here's what happens. When we are without our perfect father, when we are operating as if our father is not perfect, we fall into two problems illustrated by this story. Notice first in Luke 15, verse 11 and following. A man had two sons. This is Jesus speaking. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate I have coming to me. And so he distributed the assets to them. So here's what the younger, father sa- the younger son says to the father. Look, I'm tired of doing what you want me to do. I'm tired of living under your roof. I want to take what is coming to me now, and I want to go do what I want to do. Now, in the Near Eastern culture, this was incredibly offensive. This is basically saying, "God, Father, I wish you were dead. And now, as the younger son, even though I'm not going to get as much as the older son in his inheritance, I want my stuff now. And not only does this bring a ton of complication for the father in the story, he's got to sell stuff. He's got to go ahead and, and, and gather all... I mean, it's a mess that this younger son is causing... And what does the father do? He gives it to him. And he lets them, and he lets him just run away with his stuff. And so he runs away as far as he can, and he disconnects from his father. And we find the first consequence as a result of neglecting this father void that this younger son is running away from. That ultimately what happens as a consequence is that of that is we may be living out of balance. When we are disconnected from our perfect Heavenly Father and we start to lean on our own wisdom and our own ways of doing life, we start to live out of control, out of balance, serving our own needs rather than Him. And when we disregard the wisdom that the Father has and we lean on our own understanding, notice what happens to this younger son in verse 13. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and he traveled to a distant country where he squandered, his estate in foolish living. See, he's disconnected from his perfect father. He's living like his father is dead, and he squandered foolishly all of the resources that he had coming to him, and it didn't take long for things to go south. And I don't know about you, I don't know where you're at with God, but God doesn't want us to live out of a close relationship with him. He knows that without his wisdom and his love, we're going to rely upon our own abilities and our own strength to do life the way we want to do it. And oftentimes what that happens as a result is it's destructive. And notice what happens when our father void is unmet. We can be living out balance but there's a second problem that can happen and we can experience both even at the same time is the second problem we can have when we're disconnected from our perfect father is we might be living full of bitterness full of bitterness and that's what happened to the older son in this story in verse 28 we'll look at this a little more detail but the older brother hasn't run away the younger son is taken off with with all of these resources and caused all these problems and at the end of this story which we'll see he comes back, the father throws a party, the older son is ticked. He's like, what? The older son is disconnected from the father as well. Luke 15, 28, then he became angry and he didn't want to go into the party. So his father came out and pleaded with him. You see, the older son was in close proximity to the father, but he wasn't connected to him. He seemed like He was doing everything right and obeying and following and and, and being a good, responsible son. But at the end of the day, his heart was disconnected. His heart was not connected to his perfect father. And so what does this reveal? That his father void wasn't being filled either, even though he was in and around his presence. And I don't know about you, but for some of us, there's, there's some anger in our life. There's some bitterness. There's some things that have happened in our life where we think, God, that's unfair. You know, look at those people over there. Look at how faithful I've been. Look at how obedient I've been. And and you're willing to forgive those people? And, And I've been following you. I've been obedient to you. And look at the consequences that have happened in my life. Things haven't been going very well. Where have you been in the midst of all of that? We can, too, find ourselves in this place where we are on the outside looking like we're being faithful but in the inside we're angry and we're frustrated the problem is is that we too can find ourselves disconnected we all can get disconnected from our heavenly father and his amazing love for us whether we're new to the church or we've been walking with god for quite some time and so what do we do our perfect heavenly father wants to fill us with his love and and fill that father void that only he can fill So how can we turn ourselves back to God as our perfect father? How can we stop our foolish pursuits? How can we stop and heal from our bitterness or our anger or our resentment? We do what the prodigal son does. Notice this. First, we reconnect with the father's heart. The first thing that we do when we find ourselves in these places is we reconnect with the father's heart. This son was running away for for whatever he thought would fill the void in his heart. And whenever we fill our lives with something other than our perfect Heavenly Father, it's not going to fill our need. And we might not even realize it, but we all tend to worship something. We don't call it worship, but anything we kind of ascribe worth and we start to pursue with our time and our money and our affections, that's worship. We were made to worship. And the reality is is that if it's not God, it's going to be something else that becomes our God. And God is saying, I don't want you to live there. That, that's not where you thrive. That's, that's not what I have for you. I, my perfect love is for you. And some ways I've seen this show up in my life There's maybe some ways this shows up in your life. Is that when we find ourselves in this place, we end up performing we don't believe in the, God, in, in the Father's love for us, and so we're performing. And for some of us, we, we find something in our life that we can do well at, and we find success in it, and we are performing to seek approval. And oftentimes, it's our Father's approval, it's somebody's approval that never believed in us, that said something about us that we thought, my value, my worth needs to be proven. And we're out to just go and go and go, and we're running and we're performing. And the bummer is, as much as we do, and even when we get on this success treadmill what happens is it's never enough the bar always gets raised higher the comparisons we have with the people around us are just new and different we we find ourselves running far away from god who loves us and created us to be loved or we fall into the other area i've done this too it's pleasing people you know it's pleasing people and some try to fill that father void with being a performer some do it by pleasing other people. And, and we put it in this kind of idea of like, well, I'm serving and I'm putting it. But what's going on in our heart is we're really trying to please people and find affirmation from people that God has already said, I love you. You, you don't need to be going after that stuff. In fact, it's unhealthy. In fact, it's leading to codependence. In fact, it's leading to unhealthy behavior. You're you're actually compensating in all kinds of ways because you don't understand how much I love you and I trust you. And some of us in here, we try to fill the void by being pleasers. And so the prodigal son, he experienced both. I mean, can you imagine? He took all of his money, and he's spending it on wild and foolish living. He's wasting his resources. What do you think he's doing with that stuff? He's probably buying friendships. He's probably buying affirmation. He's he's trying to go ahead and prove his worth and he can do things on his own. He's doing both of those things and we do both of those things as well when we don't understand our father's perfect love. And so the prodigal son, what happens to him? Well, he hits rock bottom. He loses all of his money. He loses all of his friends. He's far from home. And what does he end up doing? He ends up getting hired on by this other person in this far off country to do what? To do the worst job his culture would have him do to feed pigs he literally would feed pigs literally the worst thing a good first century jew would do why because pigs were unclean ceremonially they were unclean and literally he's feeding pigs to survive because in the midst of losing everything there's a famine in the land and he's not prepared and notice What happens next? He's at the end of his rope. Verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And I'm here dying of hunger. What brought him to his senses? His life had literally gone to crap. Literally. He was literally in a pig pen full of pig dung, and there's pods that are being fed to the pigs. He's going, those actually look good. I'm so hungry, those actually look good. What brought him to his senses, which is a Hebrew idiom for, I'm ready to take responsibility for my behavior and turn back to my father. What brought him to his senses, he hit rock bottom. And oftentimes, isn't that what finally brings us back to God? Is we encounter so much pain because we've been running away from Him. We've been trying to fill our father voids with all kinds of things, with performing or pleasing, and it's not delivering. And we finally get to a place where it's so painful. We finally say, Enough is enough. We find ourselves in a pig pen, and it smells awful. And we look around and we look at what we've become, and we're like, I'm done. Life has gotten out of balance. It's out of control. I need to turn back. Reconnect with the Father's heart. Reconnect with the Father's heart and who He actually is. And once we stop running and reconnect with our Father's heart, the great news is that we can take the next step. It's to rest in the Father's approval. It's to rest in the Father's approval. So what happens? The prodigal son, he wakes up, he decides to head home, and he realizes how much he has messed up. And isn't it true, when we are in our most desperate places in need, we have the most clarity? When, when I'm at my ends meet, and I finally am open and honest with who I am and the decisions I've made, it's like, okay, fine, I can take my next step. And so what does he do? He starts to practice a speech. You know, uh, i got to go ahead and, and somehow like apologize to my father. Somehow, maybe I can get a job as one of his servants, so at least I can live. And he's practicing, practicing his speech. But notice, even in the midst of him being the son of this father, he doesn't quite have an understanding of his father's character. Because he's working himself up to say, i got to beat myself up enough in order to present myself to my father so that he will have mercy on me. And isn't that what we do? When we wander away from God, we're running after all these kind of things. Some of us, we realize, okay, it's, I'm done. And we start to do what? We start to beat ourselves up. Man, I just got to beat myself up a lot. And, and once I beat myself up enough, and I'm, I'm, I feel guilty enough, and after a while, finally, okay, now I'll come back. And, now, and notice how shocking the father responds to him coming back. Verse 20, so he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, he threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. Now, in Near Eastern culture, this was crazy. No father in this culture would ever be caught running. Ever. And and you have to imagine, this father was in these garments. And, And what you would have to do with all of these garments is you'd have to hike them up literally to run i mean it was this very comical sight to see this father figure literally running and galloping towards his son who had squandered and wasted and messed up their whole way of life and what does the father do he's galloping towards his son and it's absolutely ridiculous You know, the Father represents God. And this is really the only time we see God running in Scripture. And He's not running away. He's running towards. What a powerful picture of our perfect Father. No other faith describes God in this way. He was waiting every day for his son to return, sitting by the window and waiting. And when we see here this father, what do we see? We see this father who is caring and who is consistent in his love. And for many of us, I don't know about you, and it's because of our own earthly experience and us as dads, as much as we want to care and as much as we want to show we care and as much as we want to be consistent, we are all flawed and broken. I look at my life and I look at my, am with my kids. I overreact. I'm inconsistent with balancing truth and grace. But here's fa- the father, caring and consistent. His love for you will never change. His love for you will never, ever change. Whether you're running away from him or running towards him, he loves you no matter what. And for some of us in here, we need to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded, if we have been running, we need to be reminded that He runs to us. And His promises never fail. And one of the most significant ones, if not the most significant reminder for us, is His own Son, Jesus, dying on the cross for your sin and my sin. The thing that we can always look back to when we don't feel like we can trust in our Heavenly Father is we can always look back to the cross and go, there. He demonstrated his unconditional love for me on the cross. He took my sins upon his own son who was perfect, fully God, fully man, and he died for me. And that is a historical event. That is not wishful thinking. That is not just one of God, many gods on a spectrum that I get to choose from like God is an ice cream flavor. This is a historical event that happened rooted in history. Jesus rose from the dead. And this demonstrates... His promise will never fail you. And so when we stop running, He will run to us. You can rest in your Father's approval. And here's the great news. When you rest in your Father's approval, you can rejoice in the Father's love. You can rejoice in the Father's love. Luke 15, verse 22. But the Father told His servants, Quick! Bring out the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. There is a party right now. And so not only does the father forgive his son, but he reinstates him, puts a ring on his finger. You are a part of my family. You've never not been a part of my family. You've acted like it but you have always been a part of my family. And who misses out on this story? The older son. The older son doesn't come in. Both sons are disconnected. The older son doesn't get resolved. Why? What's the difference? Brokenness. Brokenness. When you and I acknowledge that we don't have it all together, when you and I acknowledge our desperate need for our perfect Father, when you and I stop chasing and running and pursuing and groping and just admit, God, I need you, it opens up our hearts for blessedness. It opens up our hearts to allow our perfect Father to fill us with His overwhelming love, His grace, His power, His presence in our life. Why? When we're broken. And boy, we live in a culture where that's not cool. Living like you're broken is not okay. You have to look like you have it all together. You have to have the house. You have to have the trophy spouse. You have to have the trophy life. You have to look like you've got it going on. And the reality is in our church and being a part of God's people is an ongoing acknowledgement of our weakness, our brokenness, and how many mistakes we make. Not to beat ourselves up but to acknowledge the grace and the love of our Father. That's what it is. He wants to come in and make us dwell with Him. It's brokenness. The model home He has in mind for us to enjoy is having us be a part of His ideal family with Him as our perfect Father. And when we are broken, He blesses us. He strengthens us. He lifts us up and when I act like I have it all together, when I'm trying to perform or please, boy, my life looks a lot different. When I'm filled up with the Father's love, you know what I am? I have a backbone and a humble heart, and I'm I'm willing to love people in all kinds of different ways that I would not have without doing that. See, when I live like I have a perfect Heavenly Father, you know what happens as well? When I step into a situation where I'm tempted to compare myself and, and often feel less than or not as good as, when I know my perfect father, I go back to him. I run to him. God, I feel really insecure right now. Father, I feel really like I need to earn something. Father, I need your help. I need to be reminded of your life. I need your grace. And on suddenly he fills me up. He starts to fill me up, and I start to go... Hey, that's cool. And instead of comparing myself to somebody, I can affirm that person in a healthy way. I can acknowledge their gifts and their strengths. I can go ahead and celebrate that person when at first I wanted to compare myself to that person. you see what I'm saying? Do you see how life-changing this can actually be? Is everyone awake? Is everyone hot right now? We're all hot, aren't we? Somebody turn the fans on, okay? So this is what happens when we understand the Father's love or, or when we're tempted to seek approval where we're seeking our sense of worth by what that person says about us or that person or how we're good with that person, what happens is this, is we run to our perfect Heavenly Father and we're reminded, oh, there's nothing I could do to earn your approval, Lord. There's nothing. You've already done it through the cross. You've already demonstrated that you approve of me because I've placed my faith in your Son, Jesus, who forgives me and who died for me. And now, I'm in a proper relationship with you, Father. I don't need to earn anybody's approval. You've already given it to me by your grace through Jesus. It starts to change the way we operate. We want to be a people that operate out of God as our perfect father. So what does this mean for you? Let me ask you to do something that maybe we don't always do. But could you take out your connect card here for a second? I'm going to invite the worship team. Abby, come on up. I want you to take out a connect card. What does this mean for you? What's God stirring in you? Something I want you to consider right now. I want you to write your name on it. And no, I'm not going to ask you to write down your worst sin. I'm not going to ask that. You're just going to write your name down. And, And here's what I want you to think about. You have a perfect father. Are you running or are you resting with him? Are you running away from Him, or are you resting with Him? And so here's what I want you to do. If you've been running, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've been running from God, you've, you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you want to today, I want you to write down the word rest. I want to rest in my Father's approval, and it's through faith in Jesus. I want to take my next step with God. I want to walk with his amazing abundant love in my life write down rest if you've never placed your faith in jesus for some of us today you've been running too you're a believer and you've been running and you're hurting you've been bitter you're frustrated you're angry with god you've got dad issues no question and the heavenly father that we have wants to heal you He wants to break those things down. He wants to reconcile you to himself. Maybe for you, write down, reconnect. I want to reconnect with my perfect father today. I want to trust that in faith, God is going to go ahead and help me take my next step in healing. And then lastly, if you're a believer and and, and you're just rejoicing, you're just rejoicing in the father's love in response to this message, you're like, yes, yes. I forgot. And you're just like, I love that. Write down Rejoice. And here's what I'm going to do. As I collect those and you drop those in the offering, I'm going to be praying for you this week. For those of you who place your faith in Christ, we're going to follow up with you and help you take your next step. And others, we're going to pray over you. So please let me know how God is stirring you even now. Imagine what we can do together as we take another step in understanding how much God is our perfect father, and he loves us so much. What will be different this week as a result of that? Let me pray for us. And as I do, what we're going to do is this. We're going to take the offering in a moment. You're going to have some time to reflect and pray to God. And we give because God first gave to us. He gave us his own son, Jesus. And So God is incredibly generous to us. And so he doesn't need our money. But he wants us to grow in generosity. He wants us to put him first. And one of the powerful ways we do that is by giving. And so it's an act of worship. And so we're going to invite you to do that. We do it online. You can hop online and sign up that way. Or you can give today like through the offering. So let me pray for us and we'll respond in worship together. God, thank you so much for being our heavenly father who is perfect. You want to heal us. You want us to walk with a greater sense of your love. And we will always tend to wander at times, Lord. But we are so encouraged by the fact of of this story that you have such an amazing heart for us that you run towards us when we finally stop running and run back towards you. And so for many of us this morning, we're running back to you. And we want to rejoice in your love for us. So would you bless us, God, with a sense of your love even now. In Jesus' name, amen.